Welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I am your host, Jason Wood, the VA loan guy. We have an awesome episode for you today with an Army veteran, Justin Eichenlaub. Please check it out. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA loan guy. Today, we have an Army veteran entrepreneur with us, Justin Eichenlaub. We're super excited to have him with us today. So uh, welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. So I think you have a cool story because um, you're an entrepreneur. This You're working on kind of your second startup and um, you're active duty, served in the military. And um, so I just want to kind of go through, like share your story with us. How did you make the decision to, to join the Army? You know, what was the motivation there? Uh, so I actually come from uh, a pretty long line of, uh, of veterans. Uh, my dad was in the army. Uh, a couple of my cousins were in the Marines. I had uh, uncle in the Navy. So my family served in pretty much every branch except for the Air Force, actually. Oh, <laughs> it's the only one. Um, so for me, it was just kind of like, I always kind of had that, that draw to, uh, to, to serve. And, uh, honestly, uh, I, I messed around a lot in high school. I just, I wasn't challenged. It didn't push me the way that I, I felt like I needed to be pushed. And so I was looking for a real challenge and I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you joined the army and then you were in intelligence, right? Yes. Yeah. I spent, um, I spent the, my five and a half years on active duty, uh, in intelligence, I was a intelligence systems technician. So uh, when, when I got there to do my training and everything, uh, I didn't realize just how much time it was going to be. It was actually 53 weeks spent training to, uh, to maintain over, I think at the time we had 13 different intelligence systems, but uh, I, I spent my career basically working with three different uh, ground to satellite communication systems. Oh, wow. Wow. So a lot of screen time then, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of people think, Hey, you know, we're going to intelligence to work smarter and not harder. But, uh, what they fail to tell you is that, you know, yeah, you're going to be working with satellites, but these, these man portable ones, yeah, they weigh about 400 pounds and you never have enough people to work with them. So <laughs> oh, geez. you get strong. <laughs> yeah. The, that's the side benefit, right? Um, so, um, so you're in five and a half years, you know, where'd you deploy to any cool deployments? Uh, yeah, I spent a year in Afghanistan, uh, which was really cool because we weren't, uh, we weren't like, it wasn't like a traditional deployment. We were a detachment. We were actually working, uh, pretty much on the daily with NATO forces. So my team, we got detached and from our main unit and we were attached to the Polish army. So oh, wow. I spent the majority of my time uh, in Afghanistan working uh, over in the eastern uh, mountain area. And so we worked with uh, Polish teams, uh, Polish special forces, uh, U.S. special forces, um, some of the, 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 the Czech army and a few other uh, like NATO forces. It was really cool. <laughs> What's it like, like working with other NATO forces, kind of like on your, your daily interaction? Are you guys able to communicate well and stuff, or how do you function? So, yeah, so um, uh, the, the Polish Army, a lot of them, uh, we, it was, a lot of them speak 
some of them speak better English than we do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I feel like soldiering is soldiering. And so, you know, everybody's military has their own version of like, you know, the suck that you embrace. And so it was, we, we found ways to relate with one another. Um, and it just working with them was great. It was my first time, uh, my actually my first duty station saw me in South Korea for a year. So, uh, and I, I worked a lot with uh, the rock army and the rock Marines while I was there. So uh, for me, it was just kind of like, I guess, old hat at the time, because I'd already been used to working with other uh, allied forces in the past. That's pretty cool. So um, you're also in, in South Korea. How long were you uh, stationed there? Uh, I spent a year in South Korea. Uh, I, I got to the point where I did want to stay because they had a, a program in place called AIP, which would allow you to sign up to stay there um, for an additional year. And I, unfortunately, I passed the window for it. Um, I had a blast. I absolutely loved Korea. I, uh, I took, I took the, took advantage of being there and did all kinds of good stuff, especially uh, taking advantage of programs like the, uh, like single soldiers retreats and like the boss program. Uh, So, I mean, I did all kinds of stuff from uh, going hiking in the mountains to deep sea fishing off the, off the coast. And, oh, wow. Yeah, it was great. That's really cool. Um, Were you close to like the DMZ or anything? Uh, I actually spent uh, a number of months on the DMZ uh, for training. So, yeah, I, I, I spent, uh, I spent about four months. I actually, I have the award uh, that I got sitting up here from the Joint Security Battalion there on uh, in which is the DMZ, and actually got to go to the, the, the building that's straddling the line between North and South Korea. And Oh, whoa. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. <laughs> is it a pretty, like, tense place to be? or It, it, it can be, yes. Um, uh, it's it's pretty tense because you know right there in Panmunjom you uh you can look across uh you 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 just look you know towards North Korea and they've got uh they've got towers they have got gun towers placed and so and they're and they're manned and so yeah it's like uh you know waking up for that Monday run and you just you know have your run while there's guys in machine gun nests and they're you know some sometimes they're they, they make faces at you or like, you know, give you the finger or do the little throat drag. And so, yeah, you know, it's just, <laughs> just a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's great. Any, any good stories you have, you, you could want to share with us any funny stuff or some crazy stories from when you're in? Oh, I've got, I've got plenty of crazy stories. Uh, most of them probably not, uh, not, not too suitable. For, uh, for some to hear. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh, let's see. Let's see if I can think of a good one here. Uh, okay, so this one might be, might be pushing the bounds a little bit. So while we were in Afghanistan, uh, we had our air medevac team was, they, they lived in the, the, the building across from us. So we would always hear when the choppers were picking up when they had to go uh, rescue a uh, you know, medevac somebody out from like a firefight or what have you. And they worked pretty close in tandem with the Polish uh, medics. So uh, one day I was, 
I was on my way to uh, go get Chow, and they are whizzing by in the gator. They got this guy in the back in the gator, and they're like, hey, we need to put out a call for Opa's blood. We got a gunshot wound. And uh, I was like, hey, I'm Opa's. And they're like, okay, get in here. And uh, they got in, and they started to, uh, you know, get, get the blood from me. And I'm kind of like, I'm sitting there next to the dude, and I can't remember. I think he was like a – he was a staff sergeant. And he looked over at me, and he was just like, oh, what are you in here for? And I was like, oh, uh, man, I twisted my ankle. <laughs> He's like, huh, you pussy, I got shot. <laughs> as I was, uh, as I was, you know, donating the blood that <laughs> he needed. So it, it was a pretty, it was a pretty funny, just kind of a surreal moment. But well, that's really cool. You're able to do that. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, um, so you, you, um, five and a half years in the army. What was, what was the deciding factor to, to leave? Uh, injuries. So, uh, we were, we were gearing back up. Uh, we had just gotten back and they had shortened deployments from 12 months to nine months. And, uh, the last unit I was in was a battlefield surveillance brigade. And there's only a handful of them in the, in the army. And so with the deployments now going down to nine months, uh, we were getting basically going to be heading right back to Afghanistan. So uh, I was trying to re-enlist at the time uh, and go to Germany because I really wanted to go to Germany. <laughs> and uh, we were starting to go back through all of our medical screening and everything again. And uh, right before we had left country, uh, I had actually been in a, uh, in a blast. We had a, a mortar attack on our base and a mortar hit the wall right next to me. And, uh, so I had a, a TBI from that and we were going through all the screening and they were like, Hey, um, it might behoove you to actually go ahead and get out, uh, with your, you know, while, while your injuries aren't so bad. And I thought about it pretty long and hard. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't have enough people in my field, uh, at my unit at the time. So they were, I was going to have to go back to Afghanistan with them before I could go to Germany. And uh, just, I, I didn't, I didn't want to go back. Um, so they were like, well, what are you going to do? Your, your options are to go with us to Afghanistan or you get out of the army. And so I got out. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you got out, came back home and then what you decided to, to jump into business, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I got out and I, I made sure that I had a plan. I was like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to make use of my GI bill. Um, I am going to go get my, go get my, my college degree and we're just going to get into it. And I got out and basically, uh, I think I'd, I'd gotten out in June and by September I was enrolled in college and I was going for, uh, I was working on my uh, on, a, on a computer science degree, and I, at the time, I was still dealing with uh, transitioning out of the military. So I, 
I got out and I moved kind of closer to uh, my mom and my sister so I could have some of that family support group. And uh, I started going to school and I was doing great. I mean, compared to <laughs> compared to going through all the, the, the stuff I had to go through to do my job uh, in the Army, uh, college was a breeze. And so um, eventually I got to the point where I was just trying to figure out what it, what it, what is it that I want to do, and at that time is when I had started uh, my first little startup business um, because I had started taking programming for my degree, and I was like, man, actually, this is really fun. This is crazy that I can just write some commands in here, and and the computer does, you know, does something with it. So I started working on uh, developing websites, and I was I I freelanced and I did a few websites for a few other small businesses. And I was really enjoying it and decided to go into that with a, uh, a buddy of mine that I served in the army with. And uh, it just, we didn't have, it, it was, we had the ambition, but we just kind of lacked the, uh, the, the direction and like the business knowledge and everything at the time. And so after about uh, six or six or nine months, everything just kind of fizzled out, unfortunately with that. So but I mean, yeah, like the, I, I, I knew basically from getting out that I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to work for myself uh, to do something that I enjoyed and to kind of see my own, see my own vision uh, like manifest. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, just the, the fact that you had that forethought to come up with a plan, use a GI bill and stuff. I mean, that's important. And I think that's, that's important for in our audience too, to hear about that, because, um, you know, I, I talk to, you know, people all the time who are active duty, you know, I'm talking to them about, you know, buying a house and VA loans and stuff like that. And a lot of times, you know, I'll ask them, you know, what their job is in the military and stuff like that and how long they plan on being in. Uh, a lot of them are like, I can't stand it. I want to get out, you know, and, and I ask them, you know, what's, what's your plan after that? And there's a lot of, I don't knows. And, um, probably too many, I don't know, to be honest. So I, I feel like, you know, sharing these kind of stories and, you know, having that game plan of you're going to do something. I mean, it may not be the end all be all plan, but at least there is a plan in place, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's important to have, you know, to have, have a plan, even, you know, if that's not where you, if you're on plan A, and even if you end up, you know, leaving on plan D, uh, you know, it, having some sort of a, having some sort of a, a direction or, you know, some, some forethought, it goes a long way. It's like being in the military, you wouldn't go out on a convoy off without planning and, and having, you know, backup plans. So, I mean, why should your life be any different? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great correlation. Um, so you, you got done doing the, the website stuff and did you go right into your current business? So uh, I freelanced for a while as a, as a games journalist, and I have a couple, I've got, a, I think, over 100 published articles floating around out there. Uh, and at the time, I had gotten a scholarship from Google to learn mobile app development, so uh, specifically for Android, and that was really cool. So I, I did a nine-month uh, scholarship course. Uh, it was a partnership between Udacity and Google. And so I finished that and I started actually working on some mobile apps. 
And then that's when the burnout really hit me from programming uh, because you know, I'm just, I'm just one guy. And when you, you're just one person and you're doing everything, uh, you know, everything for the app from the user interface to all the back end and everything, it can get really daunting. And so I had ended up burning out on that. And I was actually blacksmithing at the time. Uh, I've always liked to work with my hands. And so my wife, had bought me a small uh, little fire brick forge for Christmas just on, you know, like, oh, I know I've always wanted to do this. And I ended up going and doing a 10-week uh, apprenticeship course and then came home and turned uh, half of our two-car garage into a forge with, uh, <laughs> you know, the anvils and all that and was actually being, uh, I was actually being to the point where I was making stuff and selling it in local boutique stores. Uh, like my oh, products wow. were on shelves and it was absolutely amazing. And that ended up leading me into my current business because uh, one day while I was out working, I started noticing that my back was really hurting and went to the, you know, the VA and they were like, yeah, you have degenerative disc disease. Um, so probably shouldn't be spending four hours a day swinging a hammer. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um, and I was, I, I, I was really depressed about it. Cause I was like, this was my creative outlet. This was my escape from, uh, from programming. And now that's gone. And by chance, I met a great guy at a local market, uh, a pop-up market. And he was a leather worker and he's like, Hey man, like, this is all like leather. There's a lot to it. A lot of people look at it and, you know, just think like leather's leather, but if you're, if you really want something to do, that's not going to be so taxing on your back um, that, you know, I have back problems and I got into leather work and I watched, Oh, I've watched probably 20, 30 hours worth of videos on YouTube, just soaking up everything that I could and then purchased some materials. And then that was that, like it, <laughs> It's taken off now over the last year and a half. That's great. And tell us the name of your company. Uh, the name of my company is SP Forge and Leather. Okay. So are you just making leather products then? I, I do a little bit of everything actually. So I, uh, I, my, my big selling factor is that I hand make everything. Uh, I do have the capability. I have an industrial sewing machine and I can do that but uh almost everything that i make at this point is completely hand stitched which oh, wow. uh yeah it it, it it could be a little uh on the daunting side but uh the the, the difference between having a machine stitched item versus a hand stitch item is actually down to the stitching with hand stitching i can do what's called a saddler stitch and it's basically uh just a double like reinforced stitch so if you were to break a stitch uh, there was still, it's still sewn on the other side. Whereas with a, a machine, a general machine has like a lock stitch. And so if you break a stitch, the loop, the, as soon as the, the thread starts going, it's just going to unravel. Oh, that's good to know. So, uh, but yeah, my big thing is that I, I make all of my goods. I, I try to source all of my uh, materials here in the U S uh, actually, the primary leather that I use comes from one of the oldest tanneries in the United States. Oh, that's cool. 
So, um, so tell me about your passion behind doing leather. Are, are you doing um, like particular things? You're doing belts and wallets and watch bands, or is it military focused? Tell me uh, about that some. So, yeah, so uh, I started off with doing wallets. Uh, wallets was the first thing, and uh, I, I mixed the old way of doing things by hand with some new technology. So I actually have a uh, laser engraving system. And so I can use that to do a lot of different types of uh, customization work. So I can, uh, my, my big thing that I started with was I was making these single card, it was just a single pocket wallet. And I was able to laser uh, basically tattoo uh, people's unit crests or uh, like their unit patches on the back of them. And oh, so cool. I was reaching out to other service members and like, hey, you know, like, you know, I can do, a, I can do an airborne wallet for you, or I can do, you know, like, I can put like the the cross cannons on here for artillery, or, you know, the the cross uh, pistols for for the MPs and and etc. Uh, so, primarily right now, uh, I do do a lot of business with other vets, and that's kind of been my awesome. Uh, Actually, that, that, that how I got into everything was I reached out to uh, John Burke, who's a big uh, veteran influencer, and sent yeah. him one of my wallets. And he loved it to the point where he gave me a big shout out, and my business just took off. And I spent uh, I spent many many nights uh, engraving custom wallets and stitching. And slowly, I've expanded that out to now doing belts. Um, I've do belts ranging from your your daily dress belt to uh, concealed carry pistol belts. Oh wow! Um, and I've just I'm slowly expanding my knowledge, my skill set, and my product line. So outside of this, I do offer other custom stuff. Uh, I can custom engrave. Uh, I have some custom engraved flasks that I do. Uh, I'm still tinkering with glass etching. Um, but nice. uh, mostly my stuff has got a, well, well, I like to call like an, like the everyday carry kind of a focus. So watch bands, um, pouches, uh, there's some things that aren't on the website yet. So I'm, I'm going to hold off on mentioning them yet, <laughs> but, uh, nice. yeah, watch watches, belts, wallets, uh, all that kind of stuff. That's cool. What's like, what's your favorite thing to create? Like what's, what, what gets you most excited to make? Um, recently it's actually been watch bands because, uh, they're so simple that every little detail about them are, is noticeable. So, I mean, cause it's such a simple design, but it's like something that you have to execute well. And what's been more exciting about it is I've actually, uh, expanded what kind of materials I'm using for doing those. I've been, uh, reaching out and trying new, uh, new types of leather for me, uh, Specifically, I've been using this really pretty uh, camouflage pattern Italian leather, and Ooh. it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I've been doing my NATO straps out of it and a few watch bands, and just everything about it, the look, the feel, the finish, it's just like, I could, I could, I could talk for hours about just the, very, the, the differences in leather and just how... Uh, something as, as simple as uh, the way that it's finished or like how it's dyed changes the entire 
you know, fit and finish of a, of a product. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's just a ton that goes into it. Have you found any, have you found it challenging trying to break into that industry? I mean, are, are there a lot of competitors you have to be up against? Um, really it's just other, uh, like bigger businesses that have been already established. Uh, but there's a lot of, actually there's a lot of other veteran leather workers out there. Um, and the community is super welcoming. When I first started getting into it, uh, I met a, another, he's an air force vet who lives up in Michigan and he's been a super helpful guy. He's, he's told me about some, some different types of leather, sent me some samples and whatnot. Um, and there's even a couple more leather workers here where I live in Ohio um, that are vets. There's another army vet and everybody, even though we all work leather, we all have a different thing that we do. Like he does a lot more of the traditional design with the hand stamping and carving. And so, I mean, it, it's been rough getting into it uh, for me solely because I'm just one guy and there's only so many hours in the day. Right. Right. But that's also, I feel like I wouldn't really want it any other way right now because it's all down to me and the choices that I make. And so there's no one to blame but me if something goes wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, hence the the, plus, the pros and cons of owning your own business, right? Um, that's really cool. What's, what's the long-term vision for you in, in uh, SP Forge and Leather? So the long-term vision is to uh, get to the point where I preferably I'd like to bring on a couple more vets. I've really, I've been kind of slowly uh, prodding at my, my buddy here in Ohio. Uh, the thing is, is that he just, he lives clear on the other side of the state. So uh, it's a little, it's, I think it's like, it'd be a, a three hour trip for him to come here, or me to go there. Um, but what I would like to do would be to get to the point where I could have a more of a dedicated workshop kind of set up. I've, I've already, being the kind of planning person I am, I already have a, a full spreadsheet breakdown of uh, machinery that I would like to purchase and uh, like how I could factor that in with some, uh, some financing and a little bit of a uh, little bit of number crunching. <laughs> um, but don't, don't tell my wife. <laughs> she won't hear yeah but um yeah i would like to further down the line i would like to get to the point where i could have uh maybe a, one to two other full-time people working and just hit the uh the, the craft markets and whatnot uh we've been doing our local farmers market i've been uh applying for bigger markets i'm actually waiting to hear back i've applied for one of uh the top seven uh markets to go to that was uh listed in country living magazine so we'll see if they accept my application to, to work their market um but i would like to do that i'd like to expand and hit markets in the neighboring states and the ultimate goal would also be to see about uh maybe offering leather working classes through the va to uh reach out to other veterans that maybe are dealing with some PTSD issues, uh, give them a creative outlet. Yeah, that'd be really good. I find it to be like a really Zen thing. It's like, uh, almost like an active meditation where I, I throw on an audio book or a podcast and I just sit down and, and stitch and stitch and stitch. And it's, it's really, uh, really something that's grounding and, and, and focusing. Yeah. 
yeah, I could, I could see that. There's a lot of PTSD things out there that, um, that involve something like that, some sort of creative, um, kind of like passive thought type stuff, um, that seems to be really effective. Um, what would you say, like, what advice would you give someone who's, you know, looking to transition out of the military and maybe start their own business? You know, what are maybe a couple obstacles that you ran into that now knowing you could advise somebody else to maybe avoid? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, everything is a learning opportunity and uh, especially failure. Uh, and it's okay. It's okay to fail. That's uh, I would, I would even recommend it <laughs> because it, uh, it, it builds your resilience. Um, like I said, my first business, I tried and tried and tried and I was so afraid to fail and I was so depressed uh, after everything kind of fell apart because I was like, wow, you know, like I gave it my all and it wasn't good enough and maybe, you know, starting my own business isn't for me. And uh, I really got into my head about it and a, a good friend of mine was like, hey man, it's okay to fail. Like we all fail all the time. So many historical people have failed. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like I can't just let it get in my head and uh, and give up. So yeah. don't be afraid to fail and uh, have a really good business plan. Like really take the time to sit down. There is a ton of awesome free resources out there that you can take advantage of to to learn about all facets of business, um, from you know down to marketing to you know. Just there's there's so many free resources. I took an online marketing course for free, and it helped boost uh, the amount of views and stuff my products were getting. Uh, take advantage of the free resources that are out there. There's so much, and just never stop learning. Because once you once you stop trying to further yourself, your education, you start going in reverse. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true, and I think that advice. Is, is super sound advice that we've, we've heard or read about in so many different ways, right? Which is, you know, you're going to fail more times than you succeed, but it's, you know, it's basically how you pick yourself back up again, right? And be, and develop that resilience and, and learn from that failure and, you know, just forge on forward. Um, so as, as we go with the theme of, of the podcast here, what does, you know, in you and your, your life or your business, what does armed and ready mean to you? Um, I would say that armed and ready to me would be, well, that's actually a really good question. Uh, arming yourself with the patience and I'd say the presence of mind to know that there's no such thing as an easy day. Uh, and just to be ready to be fluid, be accommodating, be able to adapt you know, like that's what we said a lot in the military is adapt and overcome. And so for me, I guess I would say that, you know, to be armed and ready would be to understand that Murphy's Law is out there. And, and if things <laughs> can go wrong, they will. But you need to be able to be flexible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, Justin, we want to help, you know, promote your business and, and help you get some success, too. So tell our audience where they can find your products and um, connect with you so they can ask questions or, or check out some of the things you sell. 
Uh, yeah, you can find my products online on my website, uh, www.spforgeandleather.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram. That's honestly the greatest way to get in touch with me. That's actually how we got in touch yeah. <laughs> was, yeah, was, totally. through, was through Instagram. Uh, I, like I said, I am one guy, but I pride myself on trying to have really good response time and really good customer service. I've sat and had chats with, uh, with people that wanted to buy stuff from me, uh, you know, well past eight, nine o'clock at night on a Saturday. Um, I, you know, for me, it's, it's a personal experience. Uh, the things that I sell, I take a lot of time and effort into making them and I make them to last. And so it's not just, uh, I'm not just trying to sell something to somebody as much as I am providing them something that they're going to have for years and years to come. You know, it could be the wallet that you hand down to a son. It could be, you know, that belt that you've had for a decade now and it's got all the wear and, and, and tear on it, you know, memories of life. Uh, that's all, you know, to me, uh, that's what is in my head when I'm, when I'm making things, when I'm sending things off to people is like, you know, I can't wait to see what that wallet looks like five years from now. What's, what stories is it going to have? Yeah. No, that's cool, man. There's a lot of significance behind all that stuff. Um, well, uh, Justin, I want to say thank you so much for your service to our country and, and thank you for, uh, being a guest on armed and ready today. It was really great to learn your story. And, um, I hope some others benefited from this as well. I sure learned quite a bit from you and, um, glad to know more about you and your company, man. It sounds really awesome. Hey, thank you for your service as well. You bet. Thank you so much for listening today to the Armed and Ready podcast. If you have any questions or would like to get in contact with our guest today, you can reach out to me at valoanguy.us.